0: The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network.
1: Episode 60 of Ham Radio 360 is coming up. Amateur radio, satellite operations, and more. Stay tuned.
0: MTCradio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast, with your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN.
1: Well it's going back to work day here on Ham Radio three sixty podcast after the long summertime last break what were they called what do they call that the last blast before summer's past. Long holiday weekend here. Although it's been wet most of the uh, most of the weekend up and down the coast as Hurricane Hermine kind of spread her love from the Gulf of Mexico all the way. All the way up to the top, man. So uh, I hope you guys are all doing well out there. Uh, Everybody's seems to be okay, minus the flooding and whatnot. Uh, I want to continue to remember those folks down in Louisiana continuing to dry out from their last round of flooding. It hasn't been uh, very dry in some places here lately. And then then we have folks in California who are and on the West Coast dealing with fires. So lots of things happening around, lots of opportunities to serve your community with Amateur Radio and that's uh, something we've talked about quite often here on the show, and we probably need to talk about it some more. My name's Cale Nelson. I'm the executive producer of Ham Radio 360 Podcast and hamradio360.com, Six Errors Radio Network. My amateur radio call sign is K4CDN, and I do welcome you into this show. This is our uh, biweekly general topic amateur radio show. We also have our deep technical discussion type show that uh, that's the opposing week of this one so workbench comes up next week with george and jeremy as they continue their conversation with alan about oscilloscopes yeah and that's been very very popular of course it's just a great program i hope you guys are enjoying that one I spent this past weekend up at Shelby, North Carolina at the granddaddy of them all, the Shelby Hamfest. Granddaddy's not what he used to be, unfortunately. And And a large part of the time that I was there, I heard older people complaining about how the Internet had killed the ham fest. Well, that might be the case. My question back to them now is how do we take this terrible, powerful beast that's destroyed one of the establishments here in the amateur radio community and use it for our good? Well, that's one of the things we try to do here on the amateur radio podcast, Ham Radio 360, is to share the hobby through different people's perspectives to grow the hobby as new people come in. I I heard two Two times this weekend that, Kel, you're responsible, me being the podcast, the podcast responsible for getting me back in the hobby. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you creating this content. Thank you, George. Thank you, Jeremy. And, uh, hey, did you guys know that Jeremy drove down from Ohio with his wife on their anniversary, their anniversary trip, and they even made a made an appearance at the, at the Ham Fest. It was pretty cool for a couple of hours, so it was great to catch up with Jeremy again. One of the things that I noticed at the Shelby Ham Fest was the lack of dealers selling new product. And there were a few there, and I'm not going to call them out or anything because I know people have to travel, make a living and whatnot, and you have to capitalize on your sales when you have a captive audience. But I can tell you this, the prices I saw on the brand new gear that people had listed for sale as dealers, if you will, was nothing compared to what I see when I go to mtcradio.com. Nothing meaning there's no way I would have spent my money on new gear at that show when I could have used my smartphone from the parking lot and saved about 20 to 30 or 40 or even $100 on some items buying it from mtcradio.com. If you're looking for some Kenwood gear, I want to encourage you now to visit mtcradio.com. Get all your Kenwood gear from Richard and Christine Lenore They've got the best prices, free shipping on most orders over $99. They get it out quick, and they'll save you money. That's important nowadays. They understand that, and they're doing everything they can to bring you the best deals on the Kenwood gear. It doesn't take a ham fest to get a good deal for a brand-new Kenwood rig. All it takes is a visit to mtcradio.com. All right. So, yeah, welcome in, Andrew. Uh, nice to have you on the show. We've been working on this for quite a while, maybe close to two years. That's okay. We're together now, and uh, it's raining in Florida. It's not in South Carolina, uh, and you guys, y'all got some tropical weather coming coming your way.
0: Yeah, this is uh, probably the beginning of uh, uh, the next tropical storm. It doesn't have a name yet, but uh, probably by the time anybody hears this, it'll be... Uh, uh, I think Hermione is the next one.
1: Oh, well, that, that asked me to say that three times in a row. <laughs> I can pronounce your last name. Maybe George is a lot easier than that. Uh, it, it is Andrew Glassbrenner. His call is Kilo Oscar Four Mary Alpha. And uh, Andrew is really big into amateur radio satellites, which we're going to talk about. But first, Andrew, everybody wants to know everybody's ham story. Can you share with us your ham story?
0: Sure. Uh, probably started... Uh, you know, my dad was uh, one of the few business users of CB uh, back in the 80s, and uh, I was interested in got interested in radio through that, and a friend of his gave me an old Hallicrafters shortwave receiver, uh, a Sky Buddy 2, I still remember it, and uh, that kind of got me hooked on listening to shortwave, and... My dad made the mistake of telling me when I was 12, if I passed my ham radio license, that he would buy me a radio. <laughs> so uh, a month or two later, he uh, he went out and bought a uh, FT-101EE, and I was uh, good to go on 10 meters. This was right after Novice Enhancement, and uh, just uh, kind of bloomed from there. And Not to say there weren't uh, uh, periods of inactivity during college and things like that, but uh, I've always come back around to it.
1: Fantastic. You know, it's it's that's that's like a familiar story, and I, we talked just a, just a couple of weeks ago with Sterling about the youth in the amateur radio and the trip he made overseas. Uh, I'm wondering if uh, you know we, we're talking about how do we get youth into the hobby? Everybody it seems like got invested in it as a child through some sort of two way communications, whether it was CB, FRS, GMRS. I'm wondering if we can't just give our kids walkie-talkies for Christmas, and that kind of starts planting seeds.
0: Well, that's certainly what I did with my two boys. I've got uh, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, Karsten and Willem, and uh, last Christmas, they got a, uh, a set of uh, FRS radios and, and played with those until they broke, and uh, we're, we're looking for upgrades. So I, I think that's a good way in the door, and uh, just uh, take them under your wing and teach them what you know and uh, show them the cool stuff and, and don't be too critical if if they don't like exactly what you like in the hobby.
1: Ah, now that's that's not only great advice for, for amateur radios, that's good dad advice.
0: <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah, I've, well I've got three studying right now and, and they're not doing as well as I hope they would with their studies. My wife is actually coming along pretty good. And uh, hopefully the kids are going to continue to be, uh, or at least have the desire. I'm not pressing them; they're they're making the call that they want to study themselves. So uh, I'm hoping that we'll get them licensed sometime before the end of the year.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I've I've gotten my older son on the radio a few times. He's uh, even made a few satellite contacts, and uh, he really loves it. But uh, when he when he feels he's ready to to start getting uh, ready to take his license exam. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're going to be there to, to help them do it, and uh, not before then.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We don't want to push them the wrong way at the wrong time because that's, you know, we've heard stories of kids that were forced to get and and learn their learn the code and whatnot, and then they wind up despising the hobby. And uh, I'm not looking for that. I want if if they're going to do it, I want to do it on their own. So I, I concur with your your train of thought there. Uh, tell us a little bit about being an amateur radio operator in Florida. How are how are things down there?
0: Oh, really good. I mean, Florida is, uh, uh, you know, uh, people, uh, people aren't surprised when you tell them about how many uh, people retire in Florida. I think that's, uh, uh a pretty well known <laughs> phenomenon, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, there's always been a really active amateur radio community down here. And, uh, I was uh, lucky, uh, uh, to be involved with some of the great clubs around and, uh, uh, had uh, a great club at uh, University of South Florida. And it's, it's always interesting. There's, there's always been a strong emergency communications part of the hobby down here because of the hurricanes mm-hmm. and the tropical storms. Uh, and that kind of colors a lot of the way we see ham radio. But uh, there's, there's so many great opportunities. Uh, DX is really good from down here. Uh, we get really good conditions on VhF and UHF all of the time uh sporadic e uh, tropospheric ducting it it's all all happens here uh, except for aurora we miss out on that
1: <laughs> well maybe that has something to do with all the retirees coming your way
0: yeah it could be and uh you know it doesn't help the fa- uh, it doesn't hurt that it uh you know rarely snows here and <laughs> And you can play golf all winter.
1: Oh, man, yeah.
0: Well, I, you know,
1: I've, I've got a question. I've got a lot of questions for you uh, about amateur radio and satellite work. I know that that's, that's kind of your, your forte, uh, what you enjoy maybe the most in the hobby. Uh, one question, one just kind of off-the-top question here. The band conditions on HF have been terrible of late. Uh, you can't even... Hardly by a contact. It seems sometimes. Uh, does that affect your operations with um, with your satellite work?
0: Not at all. And that's one of the great things about satellites. Uh, the propagation is there, whether the whether the ionosphere wants to cooperate or not. And we've seen a lot of that this this last year. The uh, AWRL has been running the National Parks on the Air mm-hmm. uh, event all year long. And, you know, I dabbled in this a little bit uh, during the summer on vacation. Uh, I was up your way. I operated from Kings Mountain yeah, one day. Yeah. And, and HF is just, it's hit or miss. But, you know, I could always pull that aero uh, antenna out and hook it up to my satellite radio and make 10 contacts in 15 minutes <laughs> for the, uh, you know, to qualify as an activation. So there's been a lot of that on satellite uh, here recently. There's a lot of opportunities for DX on satellite, uh, even with uh, the low-orbit satellites that we have right now. I'm just thinking here in my head. In the last couple of weeks, I have worked Brazil, uh, Costa Rica, Panama, um, Barbados, and St. Paul Island on satellite.
1: Wow. That's amazing, especially when you can't even hardly talk across the state on eighty
0: meters. Right? <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: Uh, tell us a little bit about amateur operating, amateur radio operating with satellites. Um, just, just the, just the most elementary way that you can explain what that is to all of us who haven't have no understanding of it whatsoever.
0: Well, probably the easiest way to understand it is uh, take the functionality of your, your club's two-meter repeater and put that in a box and put it 800 kilometers up uh, where that uh, repeater now has coverage from Seattle, Washington to uh, the middle of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, so you, you can see where the communication possibilities grow uh, right. geometrically. Uh, so the easy way in is to use the FM repeater satellites. And these satellites work very much the way your local repeater does, except they're on two bands at once. Uh, AO85, you you talk up to the satellite on 70 centimeters, and you receive the satellite and the other people talking on it on the ground on two meters. So a dual-band radio and some sort of improved antenna Uh, Some sort of handheld Yagi or omnis can work on occasion. Uh, Something with a little bit of gain, and and you're on these satellites. There's a lot of people.
1: I I don't mean to cut you off here, real quick. It's it's like a crossband repeater.
0: It is. It's exactly a crossband repeater. Okay. Now there are other types of satellites, but the the FM repeater satellites are probably the most popular. And guys are getting on these satellites with homemade antennas and a couple of thirty dollar, forty dollar Chinese radios. So, that you know, they're easy. They're not a big investment to get on.
1: Nice. Hey, we're going we're to take a quick break here real quick. We're going to come back with Andrew Glassbrenner, Kilo Oscar for Mary Alpha. Easy for me to say. He's down in Florida experiencing some tropical, tropical weather right now. We'll be back with him in just a couple of minutes. Hang on right here. You're listening to Ham Radio 360 Podcast. Hi, Dan, KB6NU here. You know, there's always been a bit of a mystique about operating CW. And sometimes it's difficult for newcomers to literally crack the code. Well, that's what my book, The CW Geek's Guide to Having Fun with Morse Code, is all about. Written in my no-nonsense style, it's full of practical information that will help you have fun learning and using Morse code, including how to choose a key, how to tune in CW signals, how to make contact, and then what to do once you've made contact? Let the CW Geek help you have more fun with Morse code. Go to kb6nu.com slash cwgeek and get started today. Yeah, we're back with Andrew, Kilo Oscar 4, Mary Alpha. Now, I have sequencing problems with numbers, so when I look at your call in front of me, I'm wanting to say Kilo zero 4. So if it would, I slip, who
0: would be one one of hundreds that have done that? <laughs> At this point, it's just me being stubborn, keeping that call sign.
1: Oh, you know, hey, it's a two by two. There's nothing wrong with. It. I mean, it beats you know. If you're playing cards, it's a better hand than a, what a one by three. You're you're ahead. <laughs> Guys, we're talking to Andrew about, about using amateur radio satellites to have uh, communications fun here on Earth. And just he just mentioned crossband repeating. Now, here locally, I live way out in the in the sticks, and our uh, UHF machine is on a, a great tower, great location, but there's something between me and the tower. So I have a hard time getting there with a handy-talkie from the house. So what I like to do is... Uh, set up my crossband repeater in my van and then i can use that to contact go through the repeater just like you're describing using amateur radio satellites in space for crossband repeating and and you even went down and said you know a couple of cheap handheld talkies and a a a compromised yagi of some sort or improvised yagi talk to us a little bit about equipment to get working on this mode
0: sure Uh, a lot of people come into satellites through Through the FM repeaters, and most everybody has got a two meter radio. Uh, A lot of times it's a dual band radio. Uh, So, really, the only thing you have to add into the equipment mix at that point is an antenna. And some satellites will work with an omni antenna, but generally, it it won't be too long, and you'll want a little bit of gain that you can point at the antenna so there's there's commercial options you can buy uh something that's called an arrow antenna made out of arrow uh shafts uh it's a lightweight portable antenna that breaks down there's another type of antenna called the elk that is a two meter log periodic with a handle on the end of it uh, and it works also uh, fairly well on 70 centimeters or you don't even have to buy anything. Uh, there's plenty of uh, antennas out there that you can build for $10 or $15 worth of uh, materials. Uh, if uh, the WA-5VJB cheap Yagi, uh, he's got all sorts of different designs for those on his webpage. And there's a satellite version. It is 2-meter uh, and 70-centimeter Yaggies on one boom. Uh, even has a little diplexer if you're using it with one radio. Uh, that you can build out of a couple of coils of wire and some capacitors. Cool. Yeah, so really you can get on the satellites fairly inexpensively. Uh, And once you get your feet wet with the FM satellites, it's not long and you'll start wanting to talk a little further or a little more often or maybe you don't like the the contest-style nature of the exchanges on the FM birds. And then you move up to the linear transponder satellites. And these satellites take a... Chunk of spectrum anywhere from 20 to 100 kilohertz on one band and repeat everything in that chunk on another band. So, generally, we use sideband and CW on those, and they support multiple uh contacts at once. You know, it's just like taking uh, uh 12 meters and repeating it out on 10 meters, you got a whole band worth of activity there that you can tune across. Then, uh, 10 or 15, 20 people can use it at once. That's pretty cool. So, it, it it's really neat. It's easy to get your foot in the door with uh, with the types of equipment that you have. Uh, you can go to the AMSAT webpage, and there's uh, uh, under the Satellite Info tab, down under Station and Operating Hints. There's a whole list of PDFs of different antennas you can build. Most of them are, you know, pieces of PVC pipe and coat hangers or Romex or you know whatever whatever conducting <laughs> material you've got around. And, and then put it all together and you go right to the same place and and get past predictions and frequencies and see when the satellite's up and and start listening in and see what you can hear.
1: Now, let's go let's go back to the uh, to the FM birds along with and, and I know that you can call a satellite a bird cuz I'm a free-to-air satellite guy, so I, I can use that term <laughs> and and not be geeky and try to try to step on your your information here, but um, You talk about finding passes and whatnot. Are the FM birds the same way as the ones you just mentioned, that you have to find out when they're going to be around above you uh, to make those contacts? Or are they always, you know, they're in orbit in the same place? Do they have set orbits, or are they orbiting themselves?
0: Well, they're orbiting in in what we call a low-Earth orbit or a LEO. Uh, So they come over multiple times a day, and the passes can be anywhere from a couple minutes long to almost 20 minutes on ao 7 one of the higher ones so and these happen there each satellite has its own pattern of of when it comes over each day and some some of them drift some of them are about the same time each day so y- you have to use a computer program or a website to tell you when they're going to be overhead mm-hmm. so once you once you figure out what satellite you want to uh take a listen for Uh, You can use whatever tracking system you you want, a web page or a program or an app on your iPhone, and just make sure you set your location and set your time and pick the satellite. And it'll tell you right when it's going to be overhead and what direction to start listening in and what direction it'll – what direction it'll be when it goes down when you lose the signal. So it's, it's an easy way to see when the satellites are going to be up and kind of plan your operating a little bit ahead of time.
1: Right. The uh, the other type of, you called a, what is it, was it linear? Yeah, linear transponder. Okay, linear transponders where you, you're taking a chunk of one band and instead of just a set frequency and pushing it over to another band, virtually cross-banding with a bigger swath of the spectrum, I guess. Um, and you said you're using single sideband there as well as uh, Morse code?
0: Yeah, it's mainly single sideband, but there's, there's uh, a good group of CW operators on there, too. And even once in a while, you'll run across somebody using a digital mode, uh, something like PSK31 or iSCAT. Uh, I saw some slow scan on uh, FO29 the other day. Uh, so it, it's, it's basically... Anything that's not a hundred percent duty cycle is welcome on a linear transponder. Cool. Uh, if you start running something like FM, that's that's power hungry, <laughs> that takes away from other people. So yeah, so generally we stay away from hundred percent duty cycle modes.
1: Now this this linear transponder type satellite, that the second type you described here, that would be uh, a, a better opportunity to to gain some DX contacts that way. With is that a good assumption?
0: Well, sometimes. Um, and it's not so much because it's a linear transponder, uh, but because the two highest satellites that we have that are working right now are both linear transponders, AO7 and FO29. Uh, so, yes, part of it is because of the height. I, I guess you could say uh, on a linear transponder, too, they're not as busy. Okay. Uh, so you can it's easier to set up a schedule or you have a – a more relaxed opportunity to work somebody at a distance and maybe have a chat with them for a while
1: I got you when when you were operating these uh, the FM satellites uh, you said it's more of a contesting style I, I'm guessing that's a call QSL got you five nine here wherever 73 kind of a thing
0: yeah it's it's, it's very much like that it's a, a contest style operation because there's so many users in the footprint at once all trying to to get through at the same time and, and use the same resource. So generally on satellites, we don't use um, RST reports so much as we exchange grid squares. Uh, so I'm in grid square Echo Lima 8-8, and if I'm working someone that is in, let's say uh, out in California in Charlie Mike 93, that's the exchange instead of a report. You can throw a report in there too, but normally it's call sign and grid.
1: Lima five eight. Good. Kilo, kilo Fox 5, Fox Quebec X-ray from Kilowatt 5 Lima, Maritime
0: Mobile, Echo Lima 5-8, over. No, this is KG5 FQX, Echo Lima 2-9. USL, KG5 FQX, K5 Lima,
1: Maritime Mobile, Echo Lima 5-8. QRZ, QRZ, Maritime Mobile, Kilo 5 Lima.
0: it's dependent on the time of day too. Uh, the passes, you know, at, at noon on a Saturday are going to be very, very busy. Uh, on the other hand, the passes at three in the morning on a Tuesday, uh, you know, you can actually have a little bit of a conversation there, uh, leaving gaps, uh, of course, for anybody that might want to join in or make a different contact.
1: Well, that was my next question. When's the best, who's the best time for a newbie to, uh, to try to make these contacts.
0: Well, it's, it's always a good time to listen. Okay. Uh, take, take some time, uh, several passes probably, and just listen and, and get the hang of how to point the antenna, how to peak the signal by twisting your wrist and matching polarity with the satellite. Get the hang of the flow of the, the contacts. And uh, uh, a couple of passes of doing that, and you'll be ready to make some contacts after that.
1: Cool, cool. Real quick before we go to break, you said match the polarity. Uh, I'm just assuming because I've seen the arrow type antennas and they're, they're a cross section. I, I'm really not sure how you would best uh, mathematically explain that. But I guess you tune, you hold it one, one way for transmit and one way for receive. Is that like you just twist your wrist?
0: Well, you, whatever you have to do to get the best signal. Okay. Um, most of the, the satellites now are using linear whip antennas. Uh, so if you're pointing the antenna at the satellite and you're vertical and the satellite antennas are horizontal, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be 20 dB down or so. All you have to do is twist your wrist 90 degrees until that signal peaks up and you've just gained more, uh, more signal than the whole gain of the beam antenna. So it's really <laughs> important. I, I see a lot of people put these on tripods Yeah, and that, and that's fine if you have to do it, if you can't physically hold the antenna. Uh, but it's good to try to figure out some way to match the polarity with it, even if it's on a tripod.
1: That was, you You just read my mind right there. We're going to come back here in just a sec with Andrew Glassbrenner, whose call is Kilo Oscar 4, Mary Alpha. We're learning about satellite radio operations, and we're going to talk about AMSAT coming up. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. This weekend at Shelby, I took with me, My BCM-220 from bridgecomsystems.com. It's a 220 mobile radio... it's just built like a brick. It's a, it's a gorgeous rig generated a load of interest in it. And I was kind of shocked that so many people are looking for a two twenty rig. If Ron would have been able to make the show, he would have sold some because there's a great desire for an easy to use intuitive. Yeah. That's a big word, but it makes a lot of sense when you compare it to what else is out there. Easy to use, easy to program, easy to manipulate and well-built That's what a BCM-220 is. Check them out online, bridgecomsystems.com. It's a great rig for sure. Okay, we're back with Andrew. Uh, Andrew, we talked about the antennas. Uh, We talked about the arrows and the the other options, the homemade options, the cheap Yaggies. Uh, Tell us a little about radios. I know everybody's got a Baofeng. Even if they won't admit it, we know they have one. I've got 13 of them in a box. I've boxed them away now. I could probably do some serious satellite work.
0: So. You know, they might call that a problem in some circles, well, <laughs> having 13 of them. I
1: had, I had different purposes for them, and it just didn't work out. So, uh,
0: Well, you know, one of the misconceptions I run into a lot is that uh, you need a special radio to do satellite work. And it's true that that can make it easier but it's not a requirement in any means if you've got a radio that'll transmit on either 70 centimeters or two meters uh doesn't have to be both can only be one uh has a tone function on it and you have something that will receive on the other band a scanner uh, another ht uh you've got the radios that uh, that are required now a lot of times you'll when guys first get into it um They'll work what's called half duplex, and that's where they're using one radio cross-banded, and they're transmitting, but they can't hear at the same time they're transmitting. Mm -hmm. That's okay on the passes that aren't busy, but what happens, and anybody that's run a net on a two-meter repeater can, can tell you about this, is that when two people key up at the same time to talk and they don't realize that somebody else is doing the same thing, Uh, nobody wins usually. Mm -hmm. And especially when the satellite's a long ways away, that kind of is a great equalizer in terms of power. So we always recommend that you try to operate full duplex where you can hear your signal coming back from the satellite while you're transmitting to it. And that also helps with the polarity matching that we were talking about in the last segment. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you can hear yourself coming back from the satellite, you can twist your wrist while you're listening and talking and get a better signal. So, uh, it, it's fine to start out with one radio, half duplex, but, uh, we recommend that people move up to two as soon as they can.
1: What about, uh, some of the full duplex options out there now? Have you used anything like that?
0: Well, I've got a ICOM IC9100 mm-hmm. at home, and that's, uh, that's a very high-end radio, fairly expensive radio, uh, you know, not something that somebody just wants to yeah. get your toes in the water <laughs> where he's going to go out and buy. But at the same time, um, you know, I picked up a uh, an Alinko dual bander. I think it's a 635 uh, dual band FM rig that's mm-hmm. full duplex. Yeah. So I can put that down on the 5 or 10 watt setting and use that with an arrow and, and work the satellites just fine. Just got to remember to plug your headphones in because otherwise when you key up, you'll get that feedback through the satellite and and it'll be a big squeal in everybody else's ears. Well,
1: which will be no fun, and you'll make no friends then.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Can you can you tell us a little bit about um, what to expect when we get out in the field? Uh, we're, we're not going to talk. We're going to listen. We've got us some sort of improvised antenna. We bought the arrow, and we're trying to figure out uh, what's next. We, we've got some things, or some Oshin or even a, even a uh, couple of FT-60s or whatever. Uh, how, how's the best way to kind of walk this thing in? Do we just catch a few YouTube videos, read some stuff on the AMSAT page, and then kind of kind of go out there? Is it good to take an Elmer with you? Where, where do we start?
0: Uh, it's great to take an Elmer with you if you've got somebody you know that's that's working satellites in your area. Uh, the YouTube videos can be very good, and they can also be very bad. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> no, you you, you know, just
0: <laughs> it seems sometimes the YouTube uh, it seems like to get guys that have the least experience or the ones that are doing the videos, but there, there's some good stuff out there. Um, the, the best thing to do is to figure out ahead of time. Uh, you know, you do your past prediction on your program or your app or whatever and figure out where you're going to operate from. And the two, three most important data points, where is the satellite rising? Is it rising in the north? Is it rising in the west? Uh, where does it set at? Is it sitting, setting in the south? Is it setting in the east? You know, wh- Where is it going down at? Right. And then how high is it going to get? So you kind of draw an arc in your mind. And you say, okay, this is where I need to point to begin with. This is where I need to point at the end, and this is the middle. So you make those three points, and, and, and you know where you're going to be pointing the whole time. And the rest of it you do by ear. Okay. You, you, know, you just move the antenna and listen for the, the improved signal.
1: Now, I, this is something I probably should ask you 30 minutes ago, but how long does a pass like this last? Just a just for instance, on an FM pass, am I thinking five minutes? Is it a 25 minutes? How long does this, something like that go for?
0: Well, the, the higher passes are the longer ones, the ones that are higher in elevation. Uh, so on an FM satellite, the, about the most you'll get is about 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, if you've got a, a location where you can see down on the horizon real well, Uh, I've got a parking lot not too far from from where I work that I go to, and uh, it's up nice and high and doesn't have a whole lot of trees around it. And I can work one or two degree elevation passes. It might only be a minute or two long. Hmm. so. Anywhere from, you know, a minute or two to about 15 minutes.
1: Okay. Okay. Now, I know that you're involved with a uh, an organization, AMSAT, and uh, quite involved, and I would imagine you've been involved with those folks for quite some time. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your position at AMSAT and fill us in on what AMSAT really is.
0: Well, uh, AMSAT was started in 1969. It's a a 501c3 educational organization. And uh, we took over from a group called Project OSCAR as kind of the central clearinghouse for efforts to to build and launch amateur radio satellites. So a lot's changed since then, but the the basic mission is the same. Uh, We build satellites for ham radio operators to use and then figure out how to get them into orbit. Uh, and a lot has changed about that, and, and we're right on the cusp right now of uh, having kind of a, a new era in satellites. So we've got one satellite we launched last year, and we've got uh, four more that will be launched within about the next year or so. Wow. Uh, so AMSAT's kind of the granddaddy of, of uh, amateur do-it-yourself type things in space.
1: Okay. Okay. Hey, real real quick, I gotta ask you this because I think this was mentioned in one of our earlier shows, and it might have been Sarah that said it. I can't remember, but we were talking about satellites for some reason with somebody, and they said that they actually put these amateur radio satellites into the like packaging material for other things we're sending into space, and it's jettisoned out, and, and that's how we get them there.
0: Well, uh, we've done that before uh, with satellites that were deployed from the. ISS from the space station. Uh, they were sent up on a cargo ship, and then the astronauts uh, opened the hatch and threw them out. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. That's one way to do it. Uh, the the big thing here lately is uh, something called the CubeSat, and these are uh, uh, little four inch square satellites uh, that are put together um, in units. So one you one unit CubeSat's four by four by four. And the, the way I like to describe these is they load them in a container that's like a big Pez candy dispenser. And when they, they bolt them onto the rocket, they launch the rocket, the primary payload, the guy that pays for the majority of the rocket, he gets deployed. And once he's far enough away from us that we're not going to hurt him, the little door opens on the dispenser and out comes your CubeSat like a piece of candy.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. So,
0: yeah, it's really cool. There's some uh, some video from uh, the AO eighty five deployment, uh, Fox One, and uh, it's just neat, man, <laughs> to see that door open in space and you know sling three uh, little satellites out. So that, that's the way we get into orbit these days is on a, a CubeSat launch. It's
1: kind of like Wally, thinking about Wally. seeing Wally in my mind here. <laughs> um, you know, you said that you said AMSAT's a five hundred one C three. You've been around for 40, 50 plus years. Uh, how I understand how this works, but how much does it cost to put one amateur radio satellite in space?
0: Well, the launch itself, depending on how we do it, um, we, we've taken two approaches in the last couple of years. Uh, we've worked together with universities uh, and been awarded NASA launches that are subsidized by NASA. So in those cases, we have to put down earnest money in case we don't make the launch, Mm -hmm. but the launch is free, and that's because of the educational component that we roll into it. On the other hand, uh, we took uh, another fork in the road at the same time, and we bought a couple of launches uh, from uh, a company that sells the excess capacity. And I'm not at liberty to say exactly what they cost, but list list price for a 1U CubeSat is... One hundred twenty-five thousand dollars wow. for the launch, wow and there's no there's no guarantees on that. If the rocket leaves the pad and blows up midair, so sorry. Yeah. Uh, if if you get into orbit and the door doesn't open and you don't come out, so sorry. Hmm. So that that's the major expense. Uh, if if we go with that type of launch, now building the satellite, we actually spend more. Uh, FedExing things around the country than we do on most of the satellite parts because we're distributed. The guy building the radio transmitter may be in California, and the guy assembling it all may be in Maryland, and the guy doing the thermal test may be in Orlando. Uh, so, you know, while still expensive, the majority of it is travel and shipping. And, and, you know, I, I think probably the other big expense would be solar cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, each one of the Let's see, 12 solar cells that are on a CubeSat uh, cost somewhere in the range of five $600. Wow. That's each? Each. Yeah. And there's 12 of them on a satellite.
1: Yeah. That adds up quick for a 4x4x4. Yes, it,
0: it, it does. So the the interesting thing is that AMSAT is completely funded by donations and membership. We don't receive money from the ARRL. We don't receive money from the government. Uh, so we're we're solely funded by people that join as a member of AMSAT and people that uh, buy our trinkets at the hamfest or send us fifty or a hundred bucks as a donation. So it's it's kind of unique in amateur radio if you think about it. Everything else in amateur radio is dependent on some force of nature that isn't easily taken away. But if nobody's building satellites amateur radio via satellites will go away.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit more here right after the break. We'll be back with Andrew Glassbrenner. His call is Kilo Oscar 4, Mike Alpha. We'll be back in just a sec here on Ham Radio 360. Just a few weeks ago, I comment out some new products to, to, to add to the already – just blossoming amateur radio gear that they just released back at uh, hamvention man and they're just piling on top of us here with so much great stuff and still still the big news is the 7300 it people get it love it and it's changing the face of ham radio bob howell told us the same thing that was the new the new standard of amateur radio. He told us that at Hamvich. It was really cool to hear Bob uh, expound on why he thought that. Well, let me tell you this if you want a 7300, if you want a V80 Sport Handy Talkie, uh, any type of gear that's branded from ICOM. You need to shop with my friends down in Texas, mtcradio.com. Got the best deals on ICOM gear, free shipping on most orders over $100. Let Richard, Christine, Tammy, and Danielle know that you heard about them here on hamradio360.com podcast, and you're looking for the big Texas deals on ICOM gear. Remember it's mtcradio.com and get the best deals on your ICOM gear today. Yes, Kale, on with Andrew Glassbrenner. Again, his call is Kilo Oscar for Mike Alpha. Andrew is involved heavily with amateur radio satellite work. He's involved with AMSAT. And we'll talk to you a little bit more about AMSAT because you and I, I'm from South Carolina, you're from Florida. We were both in Dayton, Ohio this past, what, what was it, May, March? I don't remember, whatever month it was. We were there at the HamFest. And uh, you were extremely busy, and I was extremely busy, and we never had a chance to even say hello to one another. So I
0: think, I think we got a wave in because you were on the other end of the, the yeah. aisle.
1: I yeah. <laughs> Every time I, I said, I'm going to go talk to Andrew, and I'd look down there, and there'd be seven or eight people standing around you, like, getting autographed. I don't know. I mean, Elvis or something. I don't know. <laughs> I was, to be frank with you, I was kind of shocked at how busy. I mean, you had a huge booth, and I was just shocked at how busy it was the entire time the convention was happening.
0: Oh, Dayton, AMSAT at Dayton is is just a phenomenon. It is so busy the entire time, uh, and and the three days, two and a half, three days goes by so fast. Uh, it's really kind of a one of two focus points of the year for AMSAT and, you know, Dayton being in May. And then generally we have our annual meeting and symposium in October or November. So, uh, it's one of the two big times of the year that a lot of AMSAT people get together. And of course it doesn't hurt that we always have our new books and new shirts and new hats and everything at Dayton
1: time. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about joining AMSAT. Uh, it's not affiliated with anyone else, which is cool in my opinion. Uh, tell me, why I would want to join, and and how do I go about joining?
0: Well, the easiest way, uh, you know, le- like I mentioned a little bit in the last uh, segment, uh, we're all funded by donations from the actual users of the satellite satellites, and without without those donations, we don't uh, uh, we we really can't do anything. So, it, it's important, I think, that if if you get on the satellites and you enjoy using the satellites and you want to support the ability for other people in the future to do the same, it's important to join AMSAT or make a donation to AMSAT. Uh, and the easiest way is just to go to our webpage. It's amsat.org, A-M-S-A-T And you can read about us there. There's lots of helpful information. There's some tools on there uh, to track satellite passes. There's frequency information. And if you like what you see, go over to the right uh, where it says store. And, and click that button. That'll take us to, to our online store, and there's membership options in there. We have uh, student rates half price for students all the way up through grad school, uh, family memberships, uh, and, and all of that goes back and supports AMSAT, supports the Amateur Satellite Program.
1: Cool, and you, you guys have some really cool shirts, too. I mean, I just got to say, I like your shirts.
0: <laughs> Thanks. I think I the saw
1: John, had, I saw him on Twitter a while back with, with the latest, and it was a really cool-looking shirt
0: yeah the the black one with the uh, structural uh, autoCAD drawing, yeah. of the Fox satellite yeah that's actually the second year we've printed that for Dayton. Uh, last time it was in blue and this time it's in black, which is just makes it even better.
1: Oh yeah, it's a cool shirt. I like shirt. I like t- I'm a t-shirt guy, so you know hair ham t-shirt or whatever uh, I like them So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we can get on we can, we can give. Which is important. We can join, which is important. And um, we can use them. Which I, I, Is it? Is it one of those things, real quick, Andrew, is it one of those things kind of like our spectrum? Is it, a, is it a use it or lose it kind of a thing here?
0: Well, it really is. And AMSAT has, throughout its history, uh, been on the leading edge of technology in ham radio. And we're continuing to do that. We have a program that is... That we're working on right now in partnership with Virginia Tech, uh, where we're going to put a a ham radio package on a geosynchronous satellite that will give coverage twenty four hours a day over the entire Western Hemisphere. Wow. Uh, we call that Phase Four B. Phase Four being geosynchronous, and B because the Germans are doing the same thing for the for the Eastern Hemisphere later this year. So those that package is going to use 5 and 10 gigahertz, which sounds, oh, man, microwave. Who wants to mess with that? But if you get get to looking at it, things are changed so fast. You can take a TV uh, LNB that you use on, like, a direct TV dish yep. and feed that into an SDR receiver for, you know, $20 and up, and you'll be able to receive that. And the 5 gigahertz is coming fast. I mean – we're already seeing SDR transceivers or transmitters that are getting up into that range. So, uh, Virginia Tech's building the space segment of it, AMSAT's assisting with that. Uh, but uh, AMSAT's responsible for the ground station. So, we're going to have multiple ways into this, uh, into this satellite. You know, you can kind of put it together yourself and, and hack it together from pieces. Uh, or we will probably have a co- more commercial type option where you can go out and, and buy a ground station for
1: it. I'm looking on my shelf here in the shack, and I've got four LMBs on the on the shelf over here. I, I'm, yeah, there you go. I'm a quarter of the way there. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I had no idea that was coming. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's really really exciting. We're not talking about just FM handy Talk, is Now we're talking about really using the satellite. At its probably most efficient means,
0: and the the main impetus between behind uh, phase four B is uh, emergency communications. Uh, we're going to have uh, ground stations, uh, portable ground stations that are permanently assigned and available for first responder teams. Uh, so if you have, we have another uh, Katrina or Sandy or or a tornado outbreak or something where that the decimates communications. We mm-hmm. can, uh, people in the area that are responding will be able to take these in and, and set them up and have instantaneous communications regardless of what HF is doing that day.
1: And and as you said, this is this is sitting there waiting to be used. It's not, okay, I got to track it and figure out when it's going to be here and all
0: of that. It's, it's up
1: there waiting to be used.
0: It'll, it'll be in the same general area of the sky all the time.
1: So it's kind of like, amateur radio operators are getting their own iridium phones now
0: uh well you know even iridium goes out that's a, a low <laughs> orbit constellation uh it, it'd be more like we get our own uh uh xm radio satellite how about that
1: as long as we don't put howard on we'll be all right we'll probably have more listeners without <laughs> howard
0: Oop, hey we can, we can, we
1: can st- we'll, we'll stream the podcast just kidding guys we're just kidding i'm, I'm not going to stream the podcast on on the satellite that'd be cool though
0: it's a possibility hey
1: you, well we may need some test uh, you know need some audio for testing so you know that I had no idea that was that was coming uh what's what's the timeline on this thing twenty four months forty eight uh,
0: months it, it's up in the air right now um and I have probably said about all I can say about it
1: it's um, a great pun by the VT, way up in the air
0: yeah <laughs> vt is uh taking the lead on this uh uh, longtime AMSAT uh, member and, and current director and past vice president uh, Bob McGuire n 4HY is is at VT now. So there's a there's a lot of um, uh, government negotiations and stuff that uh, you know we're not at not at liberty to talk a whole lot about, but. Uh, You know, it's coming. Uh, I can't give you a timeline right now, Phil.
1: So if you're listening to this, it sounds interesting to you. Don't throw away your direct TV dish when you get mad and you install cable at the end of the football season or something. Just put your dish under the house. You may need it later. That's right. Okay. Okay. Anything that we might have missed, Andrew? I I know this has been kind of a a blast through AMSAT and through satellite operations, but uh, I've learned, see, I've I've learned everything I didn't know now, which was everything. So thank you for that. But, but I mean, really, I couldn't figure out how this, and I never had tried to understand. I never read anything. I just said, I'll talk to Andrew one day on the podcast and figure it all out. So it makes sense to me now. Now I want to join AMSAT. Now I want to... To, to to either get me an arrow or build me one, but and put some of these handy talkies to use, man.
0: Yeah. So if if you're interested in it and you want to learn more uh, and you want to have some place that you can ask questions and get answers, uh, there's a couple of things you can do. You can join. We have a an old fashioned email list uh, that's been around for 20 plus years. Nice. Uh, if you go to the website, it's called AMSAT BB, uh, and you can sign up for that. We have a great group on Facebook. Uh, AMSAT North America is the name of the group. Uh, You can join that, and there's a lot of conversation and video and audio going back and forth there. And if you're on Twitter, uh, you can follow us at AMSAT
1: fantastic man well thank you we'll uh we'll get some of these all of these links and more let me say it that way we'll get all these links and more into our show notes um you're you're very active with this and it's been fun to watch you and your family uh on facebook and twitter as you traveled around and and done some some contacts like you said not too very far from me which was awesome and uh of course, you were here at the hottest time of the year, but you live in Florida, so it was probably cool anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was nice and cool at the top of that hill.
1: I imagine it was. <laughs> Andrew, thank you again for coming on. His, his name is Andrew Glassbrenner. His call is Kilo Oscar Four Mary Alpha uh really, I have bothered this folks I have bothered this guy for almost two <laughs> years to get him on the show and Why i'm i'm no just bother. as I am tickled as I could be to have him here and uh you know as as these as these things progress andrew if if you feel like you need to come back you you got something to share with us. I know that myself and the listeners would be very appreciative of you coming back. And talking some more of this stuff with us, maybe even uh, a little more in depth, you know, and at, at a time in the future. So, thank you again for coming on. We really appreciate you being here.
0: Well, I, I, it's a, been a pleasure of mine, and I'm sorry we couldn't do it sooner. Uh, we've got Fox One C and One D launching this fall, so maybe we'll just uh, make it a date right now.
1: Hey, yeah, that, that's perfect. That'll be a good reminder for everybody. Andrew, thanks again. All
0: right, thank you.
1: Folks, we hope you've enjoyed episode number 60 of Ham Radio 360 Podcast with Andrew Glassbrunner, Kilo Oscar 4, Mary Alpha from Florida. And uh, just to let you know, he did, did survive the hurricane. Everything's okay down his way. And I have learned a lot. I, I mean, really, I'm excited about this. I think my kids would really dig this whole amateur satellite thing. So may introduce that to the fam here in a couple of weeks. As I said, I just got back from the Shelby Ham Fest. Thank you to everyone that stopped by and encouraged me to keep going to let us know that, that uh, we're out there doing what you're wanting us to do. And we appreciate that. It was great to catch up with Jeremy. That was quite a surprise. Of course. Now, George didn't get to come. He said, "Mom likes us better than him." But that wasn't the case, George. Now, just, you just—you were just too far away, a bridge too far this time. But maybe, maybe next time. It was a great show. I had a lot of fun. Thank you all again for stopping by and saying, "Hey." Hope you've enjoyed this program about amateur radio satellite operations. And we've got some continued awesome shows coming your way, like the continuation of the oscilloscope show with Alan. George and Jeremy, that'll be up a week from today. We hope you all have a great week as you get back into the grind of things. Football season starts in a few days. Of course, I'm very excited about that. Guys, I appreciate you. I really do. And uh, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to you about a hobby that we all know, love, and enjoy. My name is kale k 4 cdn I'm out of here. But I will be back next time to talk some more amateur radio with you. Until then, check us out online at hamradio360.com. 73, y'all. God bless.
0: Thank you for listening to Ham Radio 360, brought to you by mtcradio.com. For more information about the program, visit hamradio360.com. Till next time, 73s, y'all.